The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, as you've been hearing, members of the U.S. National Guard are being mobilized to areas along the U.S. East Coast as they brace for Hurricane Florence. Uh, Now, the storm has gotten a little bit weaker, but remains a very large and dangerous one. With the very latest, we're joined by Reggie Cicchini from Wilmington, North Carolina. Of course, Reggie is the uh, global national Washington, D.C. correspondent and producer who is in Wilmington. How are things there right now, Reggie? Hey, you know what? It's a little bit sticky. The wind is starting to pick up a little bit. It's really dead downtown, but uh, you can definitely tell something is coming. So what is the latest? What is it uh, that they're telling you? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Well, we're seeing that a lot of stores right now have been boarded up. People, for the most part, appear to have heeded that advice of get out, this storm is coming. We were out in the beach areas earlier today where a mandatory evacuation is in place. A number of homes are boarded up. A number of businesses were behind plywood as well. So they were definitely heeding that advice to get to higher ground. We actually went to a big box store earlier where uh, they were handing out free plywood to families who were driving in Mm. who hadn't actually done anything just as of yet. Mm. So how far does that mandatory evacuation extend? uh, Because from what I remember hearing earlier is that, you know, right along the coastline, but in a little bit more into the interior, that evacuation wasn't in place. And there's concern about that water coming in, how far that water might rush in. Absolutely. So mandatory evacuations are in place for all of South Carolina right now. But in North Carolina, where we are, it's just along the coastline, not inland. So we're about, you know, half an hour in from the coast in Wilmington right now. And there is no mandatory evacuation here. The problem is we're at a really low lying level in Wilmington where the Cape Fear River comes in. So any flooding that comes on coast is going to be pushed into these freshwater streams and rivers. And that's where we're going to see some significant storm surges into the inland areas. Mm, So how does the federal government in the United States do? deal with these sort of issues on a case-by-case basis or is there a uh, you know some kind of framework for how they handle it well, they prepare for these things, but it's the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, that takes care of all of the assistance uh, when it comes to mobilizing efforts and relief efforts, both before and after a storm. Each state will declare a- an emergency. So that happened in Virginia and both Carolinas. And then the president authorizes that declaration to go forward, which then frees up the resources from the federal government to go into FEMA, which then goes into the states, which it basically what it does is it takes the burden off of local and uh, uh, state governments so that the feds can deal with the big part of the cleanup. So is there concern, uh, you know, it's hard to have a conversation about the United States without uh, mentioning Trump. Uh, So is there (laughs) some concern? Because we have the situation with uh, Puerto Rico um, and the aftermath causing the death of 3,000 lives. Uh, Is there concern in that area of the country that, that the same sort of handling of the situation might occur? Well, I mean, you can take this all the way back to Hurricane Katrina because FEMA was under a really scrutinous eye back then for, you know, potentially not stepping up to the plate as well as they could have all those years ago. It happened again with Puerto Rico. I think that it's a case-by-case scenario as the federal government thinks that they're ready for a situation like this. It may end up worse than what they anticipated, and then it looks like they didn't actually have, uh, you know, their foot on the pedal to move forward. You can take what the president says, you know, with a grain of salt, whatever Donald Trump happens to say about, you know, the success or the non-success of 
Puerto Rico cleanup or what may happen in uh, in uh, in North Carolina with Hurricane Florence. It's really up to FEMA and then the federal government outside of the Oval Office who are actually going to take control of the situation. So you have to take what the president says, you know, lightly. The U.S. president is urging people in the path of the hurricane to not play games, to get out, get moving. And um, it, it sounds like that is happening in some places. And other people were hearing that they're just battening down the hatches and saying, nope, I'm going to stick around. Yeah, some people that I spoke to today when we were down in Wrightsville Beach said, look, I lived through Hurricane Fran. I lived through the remnants of Hurricane Matthew and through Hurricane Hugo back in the 80s, and we survived these storms. The thing is, is that the government and uh, forecasters are saying this storm could be much, much stronger. And if you don't evacuate, if you don't heed that advice, there are going to be very few resources to actually come and rescue you in the days after when the storm is moved out and they have no power. So are are there some, I'm trying to remember... uh, Are there not nuclear power plants along that coast? Well, there's energy plants up and down the coast here, but the other problem that they have to look at is that there's a number of hog farms that are around here and a number of coal ash uh, dumping plants. So what they're worried about now is all this water that comes in from a storm surge is going to wash through these coal ash plants. They're going to wash through the hog uh, farms and then take all of that kind of waste and sewage and push that into the drinking water system. So this is kind of a one-two punch where you have a weather effect and then you have an after effect due to the environment. All right, Reggie. Well, um, I'm guessing, how long are you planning on staying there for? <laughs> so we we have our hotel room through Sunday night, but Probably depending on how bad on water it, is, we'll be here. <laughs> I, I don't think that. They're full right now, oh. so <laughs> we had to fight for that one. But uh, we're here through Sunday night at, at, the, uh, at the minimum, so we'll be okay. here through the brunt of it. All right. Well, stay safe, and we'll look forward to seeing more of, uh, of your reports on Global National and hearing from you right here on 630 Ched. Thank you for your time. Thank you. All righty. Reggie Cicchini joining us from Wilmington, North Carolina this afternoon. Hurricane Florence has been downgraded, downgraded to a Category 3. They say it could be upgraded again to a 4 before it uh, hits. You know how it does that as it gets to warmer water. The thing's massive, though. Like The, the absolute size of it, the way that they're talking about mm-hmm. that and how much area it could hit. Uh, it's going to be ugly there over the next couple of days. Yeah, I know you've spent time in uh, New Orleans. Well, I've spent time in North Carolina and South yeah. Carolina. We used to go there when I was a kid all the time. You, you forget sometimes uh, when a storm like this passes through an area or hits an area that it is literally years if not decades the recovery mm. from it and you know you hear the stories about the immediate aftermath and mm-hmm. you know stories like Puerto Rico and that sort of thing but you can't drive around areas like New Orleans where you can't have somebody locally point out no. Gone. All, yeah, that was something gone. else. This is gone now. That's damaged. This is still being yeah. revamped. And, you know yeah. what? I, and that's one of the things that Coach and I have talked about, and you've done the same thing. So when we went from like downtown New Orleans, from the quarter, out to the Honey Island Swamp Tour. So you're going out to the bayou to uh, do a to a swamp tour, and the guy who was driving us out there, you, you're driving through uh, some of the wars yes. that were yep. uh, devastated, that have not come back. and um, Took that same trip. I know the, exactly and, what and the say, guy, yeah. the guy just says, "See over there, that the grocery store, mm-hmm. gone, gas station, gone. Yep, those houses, gone. That's what he kept saying through the whole thing. Yep, he showed us. Uh, our guy showed us neighborhoods yep. that there used yep. to be a neighborhood there, yep. or he showed us new neighborhorhoods where some of that relief money had helped. And how the changes, them. how they had to be They're put up on stilts, on, yeah. on stilts, on pillars. Yep. So yeah, it, it's it's interesting, and, and and you can go on tours of the devastated." 
areas still, like uh, the the wards in in New Orleans. It seems a little you know it's over to me, yeah. but um, I know also there's kids that still go down and do um, humanitarian projects yep. to do still doing the rebuilding. It, it it's uh, interesting. It was interesting to us. Um, I think one of the things people in an affected area, and you could in, throw into that Fort McMurray mm-hmm. or Calgary for that matter, and the flooding yep. down there. Uh, when you have devastation, I think one of the things that the residents who stuck it out or lived through it, they want the world to continue to know what happened and what's happening, and where where they are now. And I don't want to say they take pride in it, but I think they're. They take the opportunity. They jump at the opportunity yeah. if you show interest to show you. Our taxi driver on the way to the airport, uh, we were talking about the floods, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, well, when's your flight? And uh, we told yeah. him, and he said, you got tons of time. And he turned the meter off yeah. to drive us over to where... Uh, to wonder, uh, it was under a freeway this where... where the levee broke. Right, where <laughs> thousands yeah. of people had collected, and yeah. he said, you probably saw this area on the news, but this is the yeah. actual... Like, he took us on this yeah. sort of impromptu tour, and it wasn't a, you know, a funny, whatever, intra- it was interesting, but yeah. it was more of a... I it want was a, you to see the actual thing. History right. lesson. Exactly. It was. Exactly. And, you know, say the, the water was up to here. The water yep. was up to here. You can see the watermarks on a lot it. of the buildings, yeah. Right, 3.50 coming up to the 4 o'clock news on the other side. Halsey in with a look at sports this afternoon. We'll check on those market numbers and your word of the day in 35 minutes. If you want to have uh, confidence in our future, if you want to have faith that the next generation will be able to clean up the mess we leave for them, I direct your attention to the University of Alberta, and I, I, I will tell you why. <laughs> because you know the debate that uh, the debacle, as uh, better spoken, better said, of uh, cannabis legislation when it comes to the city of Edmonton. Mm. You know, they had a plan, they walked it back, they did public consultation, then they came up with the same plan. And many still saying it's not a good plan, that, you know, they're, they're going Aren't to... Are they debating that today? Yes, yeah. yes. And it's going to cost... It's going to get debated and it's going to get passed is what's going to happen. But um, generally speaking, in very general terms, they're basically having smokers of tobacco under the same restrictions as smokers of marijuana as opposed to the other way around. So it would... I always felt that they should have separated the two. Mm. But anyways... The reason I say the University of Alberta, because the University of Alberta came out with their cannabis policy, and I got to tell you, it's lengthy, and I'm not going to go through it. It totally makes sense. Like, I read it and went, hey, hope you CC'd the city. That <laughs> It totally makes sense. They've, they've looked at it. Um, they've come up with a plan for where you can and cannot. They've addressed... Uh, private residents, such as residences, residences that students stay in. They've talked about workplace impairment policies. They've talked about... What about residences? What are the rules there? No, the none. rule is none. You can't grow it. So I think it's just, it was actually very specific on where you can and cannot. Exactly. And that, so it it, it kind of left no doubt in anyone's mind. 
Um, and again, you know, we've said all along, you and I both, that the best way to do this, in our opinion, our humble opinion, would be to be as restrictive as possible on October 6th or 17th, see how it works, and then you can, uh, you know, loosen the rules yeah. a little bit as, as we see how it integrates into our society, as opposed to having very broad rules and then trying to take those rights away, right? Um, so what the university has done, it's, it's, hey, listen, you're going to be smoking dope on campus. We get it. But here's where you're not going to be doing it. And here's where you're not going to be growing it. And here's what's going to happen if you work for us and are impaired. And they, they set all the rules out and it's like, yep, there they are. Has your work, workplace, Chadville, come up with a policy hmm. about it? I'm wondering about different workplace policies, yeah. how that's... Uh, have we? We talked to a lawyer about it on the show yeah. and said, you know, some workplace well, is I'm definitely going to have to, uh, you know, put something in, into place, you know? what What is the workplace policy here? Hmm. I think I probably can tell you what the workplace policy here is. <laughs> <laughs> Without a doubt. What's, it, what's that new cabinet? That's urine samples. Don't... <laughs> we keep extras in there just in case. <laughs> Pink cups and blue cups. The garden in the backyard looks different. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Suddenly everyone's got an interest in landscaping. What the... <laughs> Don't we have a small private garden here, sort of? Yeah, it's... we do. Yeah. To the back. Hmm, interesting. I have to take a look there in about a month and see what's growing. <laughs> I, I just think it's great. Uh, you know, oftentimes... Listen, having complimented them, I'll take it away. Oftentimes when you see like the uh, Students Advisory Council mm. to the city or you see a Students Council or uh, at a university or, uh, you know, a student union and they come up with some policy where you're like, oh, you guys, right? This one's good. This one, they obviously put a lot of work into this and they obviously thought of everything and they put it out and it's clear and concise. That's You know the what you thing. need to do? You need to tweet it at... Um City Council. You know, I probably should. I know they love hearing from me. It's <laughs> <laughs> the tree guy again. Yeah, I'll just... Did he get his tree? Before we reply, did he get his tree? It's the tree guy. Ah, <laughs> oh, the poor city. Why could I smoke up but not drink on the sense, uh, on the street? That makes no sense to me. Uh, the U of A has the ability to be more restrictive than the city because the U of A is private mm. property. That's correct. But I'm saying that the U of A dealt with their private property like it was a city. They went, here are the rules for our area. Mm -hmm. And I would like the city to do the same thing. But you're absolutely right. The, on private property, you make the rules. Regarding marijuana, why can't someone have an app that will allow you to know if you're in a cannabis zone or not? <sighs> I mean, it'd be a great app, I guess. Someone get working on that. Yeah, but I mean, it would change for every single jurisdiction. And off topic, some idiot girl is sitting on top of a car on Grote Road. Is this the newest idiotic thing that kids are doing now? You mean a moving car? Yeah, sounds like it. In this weather? Hmm. 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 Don't know. Couldn't tell you. Whatever happened to Frosh Week, Freshman Week? Do you remember? Used to be. Uh, oh, I remember. Yeah, used to be a lot of silly things got done. Not silly. They were fun if you're, you know, eighteen. Well, I think it depending on different schools, like engineers would do something and whatever. Not my, not my college. It was just a party week. Mm. It w it was a party week. Yeah. Did I ever tell you? Uh, I got hired by the U of A, and this is many years ago to do a show outdoors during mm -hmm. orientation week or something. So I think it was the week before freshman week. Um, and so I'm on a stage with kids who really don't care much about comedy, but that's fine. And they're coming and going. So, you know, mm -hmm. and there's lots of other activities going on around me. I really didn't mind. Like it was, 
it was fun. Like I, I went there, had a couple of beers, and then got on stage. But they had the mascot for mm. the University of yeah. Edmonton there, and mm. they had the mascot for, and I don't know why, <laughs> for the University of Calgary. Mm. And at some point... They got in a fight. Yeah, they got into a fist fight I mean, <laughs> uh, while I was on stage. And you'd never, you, you've never seen a fight till you've seen a roundhouse from a mascot. Like, it's just, they're so slow and bulky to begin with, eh? but they literally have to turn their entire body and come all the way around the outside. And I don't think it was staged. Like, it was, it got pretty good. One of them finally fell. I'm pretty sure it was the USC dinosaur, but... I gave up on the show. I just started calling the fight instead. You I needed McTavish there to pull a tongue out. <laughs> yes. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.